Hey, peace, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another edition of the Corner Store Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Koval. We are speaking over a Google Hangout uh, with an incredible organizer, someone who has been tireless in, in this moment, who is really putting on for the city, for uh, his neighborhood, uh, his his block, his hood, his city, um, in, in every ways. His, just today I saw, uh, you know, in a very short period of time, has raised a million dollars. Congratulations to, you know, to go towards community efforts right now. Uh, Jamal Cole is a writer, an organizer, a speaker, uh, the, the founder and CEO of My Block, My Hood, My City, and uh, an outstanding Chicagoan in person. Jamal, it's been a long time coming, man. Thank you for being uh, in, in the corner store this afternoon. Hey, man. It's a, it's a, it's a blessing to be, to be here with you, bro. Like, you're a, you're a legend to me. And um, you already know, man, anything you need. So what's up? Uh, well, yo, first of all, man, I, like, are you, you're, you're not sleeping at all, I fear. Is that true? Man, I haven't cried. I haven't been able to sleep. I haven't been able to process. I woke up really um, sad at 4 a.m. today, 3.30, 4 a.m. I woke up real sad because I haven't been able to, uh, um, To I mean, I've been doing it for a long time, and I feel like now corporations are all of a sudden that the red tape is disappearing, but where were the, where was the same kind of enthusiasm when I was getting my home foreclosed because I couldn't run a nonprofit after school, you know? I mean, I had to watch my, you know, girl go get water from the hose next door because I couldn't even afford to do this after school program but now all of a sudden there's no grant applications there's no it's just I think the, the I think the lack of um, preparation for all this was deliberate and it, that's how I feel about it right now so. yeah yeah well uh, so first of all I, I, I mean I want to I want to go back and tell the story your story and, and hear about your story but I mean how, how do we get you to, to, to sit for a second or is there just no sitting in this moment for you yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm surfing this wave right now, man. Um, God's got a battery in my back, and I'm not I'm not tired, man. I'm actually just uh, I'm lear- I'm learning from so many activists around the country while I'm on TV with them or while I'm on the radio. I'm realizing that hey, man, they know more about criminal justice reform than I do. Let me shut up and listen, you know. So how can how can I use this opportunity to connect with activists around the country and learn, and then um and then how can I um ask some real serious questions about uh, instead of giving me food for today how can you ensure that we have what we need for the long run to corporations that's right yeah well and now so tell me man because i just i just saw this today maybe maybe i'm catching the news late but right you just raised a million dollars in a very short period of time yeah we, i just told them a million but i ain't really gonna tell them the number but just it's something it's somewhere it's somewhere amazing. Everybody gave like fifty to sixty dollars each, and we we got thousands of donations around the country. But um, but yeah, man, it's a after all the looting in my neighborhood in Chatham and um, South Shore and all and all over. Really, um, I had about two hundred and thirty businesses reach out that needed help with uh, graffiti removal, light construction, um, glass repair, um, things like that. And um and and so their damages totaled over like seven million dollars. And so. Right away, I just put a little um, a donate button on my website and said, hey, you know, I want to make sure I'm supporting these small businesses that already um, give water to the, the local school that don't got no air condition. The small businesses in my community in Chatham, they already pay for newsletters for block clubs. So the, the people that have a track record of already supporting community, you know, I want to give them love back with these uh, these uh, leveling up grants. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's beautiful, man. Now, this this, you know, we are in a moment where Many people are activated, which can be a very powerful thing to see. 
I also fear we are in a moment of performative activism where people are kind of just, you know, hopping on and doing it like kind of doing it for the gram. You, yeah. you, you have been, uh, you have been working on behalf and tirelessly on behalf of your community and communities um, around the city for a long time now. What, what? Why is that particular tie? I mean, you you mentioned Chatham. I mean, you've been running uh, on 79th Street. You've been shoveling snow on 79th Street. You've been taking young people from 79th around the city. You, you've been doing all this work for a long time. What is your particular tie to that neighborhood, and why is it so important for you to continue to build and work there? Well, you know, I, I'm not originally from Chicago, so the first place I ever moved was Chatham, like 20 years ago. And, um, you know, they were, they, the realtor told me, right after I graduated college, the realtor was like, you know, I had $16,000, I wanted to buy a house. And he was like, well, you got to move to Chatham, because that's where, it's like Cosby land, that's where the upstanding black people move to. That's where, you know, African-American block clubs, or entrepreneurship. And um, and so I went there with the first weekend, and... Um, you know, I went. I moved there the first weekend. I just started volunteering at the block clubs in 2007, and um, you know, that's where I got started, man. They taught me how to organize. Roderick Sawyer, the alderman now, I helped him with his marketing, and I, I, I shut up and listened for a few years. So, yeah, I, I feel like the old heads over there really helped me learn how to how to build my organization. Right. Okay. Well, so where do you come from? You know, you're not from Chicago. Where are you from? I'm from a place called Waukegan, Illinois. So it's like it's like 45 minutes away, North Chicago, Waukegan area. That's where I'm from. Yeah. Now, Waukegan is very different from uh, most of the surrounding communities in the North Shore. What, what, what was your experience growing up in Waukegan? You know, uh, um, man, I lived in the back of a U-Haul truck for so long. U-Haul stole the U-Haul truck from us. Uh, they came and took it back. You know, uh, um, you know, my mom was a big time drug dealer. Well, she was a drug. You know, she sold drugs on the west side of Chicago and in the Austin community. And my dad was in the military at Great Lakes. So that's how we settled in um, in that area. So I was back and forth from the West my whole life. But I would say that um, growing up there, we had a poverty of imagination, man. We never, uh, we never dreamed. We never, you don't have no CTA like Chicago. There's no, it's really isolated. It means that we were really narrow-minded. Um, it's predominantly Hispanic and black. That's it. And so, uh, um, yeah, man, I, I mean, I, uh, um, the first time I ever tasted lasagna was when I broke into a house. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I used to break into houses just to eat strawberries or, or blueberries. I never had those before, you know? Um when I told my mom I wanted to go to college, she told me I was trying to be white. So nobody ever, like, in my family, everybody was sold drugs. And so growing up for me, man, it was just like uh, I was supposed to be like Nino Brown like because I was good at math and I was smart. But, um, but yeah, my dad used to always play Stokely Carmichael and Malcolm X. And so I always wanted to be like those guys because, I don't know, man, I like the way they spoke in the hood and people like um, – People, I would love to hear the crowd reactions. Like, yeah, say it one more. I, I want to be like them one day. You know what I mean? And so, of course, I thought that was going to be through rap, and I was a rapper. But um, you know, um, once I, you know, wait. So, I, what, what, what was your rap name? Uh, my rap name was J Cole, but it got taken. So it was <laughs> Yo, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I went through a, a, a crisis. Man, Def Jam ever goes back and looks at their demo boxes? They go see all these big stations, J Cole. <laughs> but um, but no, it's a uh, um. You know what, man? I wanted to be a rapper so bad, but once I started volunteering at Cook County Jail, um, God spoke to me and told me what I was supposed to do in my life, and I and it was just um, it's been it's been on ever since. I started volunteering there. Well, and how did you get involved over there? So I'm a self-published author, and um, you know I, I I wrote my first book called Athletes and MCs because everybody I know wants to be a rapper, or a basketball player. So I wrote a book about it, and I started selling them downtown in front of Foot Locker, and um, you know the people. Uh, um, 
at the Cook County Jail picked up a book and they offered, they was like, hey, come speak to the kids, the, the automatic transfer unit at the jail. And it's when I got to the jail, I didn't have no my block, my hood, my city. I was just a speaker in a suit and tie. I thought I was trying to be like Malcolm in that corner. And when I got to the jail, nobody wanted to hear me speak in a suit and tie. It was like, they was like, I thought it was better than them almost. So I was like, y'all don't want to hear me speak? Cool. I was like, man, where are you from? And the kids were like, man, my block is 21st Street. I was like, okay. Another kid was like, well, my hood is a low end. I was like, yo, y'all say my block and my hood like y'all own something. I was like, why don't you ever say my city? It is, oh, man, this ain't my city. Ain't no black people downtown. Mm. And, you know, I'm just coming to Chicago, so I didn't understand how parochial people were about their neighborhoods. And it's like, there ain't no black people, you know, in Wicker Park. You know, and I was like, well, I was like, well, who told you that? And that's when I realized that a lot of these students and um, a lot of these, you know, guys and girls in the jail, they had never even waited for a taxi before. Like, they had never even, like, been in an elevator. Like, their whole worldview was shaped by the infrastructure of North Lawndale or the infrastructure of Roseland. And I wanted to expose them to um, to different things outside of their outside of their comfort zone. So that's how I got started. Right. And that's how the organization started. And one of the, 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 the early elements of the organization was to take groups of young people into spaces that they had not been prior. Exactly. We still do that. It's called our Explorers Program. Um, yeah, exactly, man. So um, the majority of kids that we work with, they see they see Lake Michigan. They say, "What well, ocean is that?" You know what I mean. They um, if you ask them what they want to be, like myself, all they want to be is rappers and basketball players. That's great too. But we connect them to Gatorade, and they can learn about consumer engagement. So a couple weeks later, like, "Oh, Jamal, I want to be a consumer engagement specialist." You're like, "Well, why?" Well, they never knew that existed. So what I said, man, is I, I just went to LinkedIn and cracked the code. I was like, "Okay, if you work at Nike and your name is Kevin Koval, your your email address can only be kkoval at nike.com." Kevin.Koval at Nike.com, you know, Koval K at Nike. And I started, I started um, emailing them and saying, hey, I got a group of 15 teenagers from North Lawndale that have never, you know, learned about advertisement. Can we bring them to Pandora and, and do an advertisement with y'all? And they're like, yeah, can we eat with y'all too? So I called up like 150 businesses. And that's pretty much how I, um, I just built a Rolodex of businesses and started taking kids from the barbershop on these trips. And now we work with 10 different schools, 150 kids a month, and we, we expose them you know, multiple types of jobs, multiple cuisines, and, and also uh, um, cultures in Chicago. Right. And so, and, and of course, I mean, part of, you know, you mentioned that you're a self-published author. I've heard you talk about how you would distribute your books uh, in the past and meet people and be, be on the street and be on the block. Um, and, and out of some of these conversations with young people, you started the organization, My Block, My Hood, My City. Um, yeah. what, what are some of the other, you guys have been, uh, growing at, 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 a, at a rapid rate. Part of it is like you have merchandised in a brilliant way where there are people around the world who now rock your shirts. What are some of the other programs that you guys have implemented over the years? Yeah, so, you know, I, I wish that I started out and had like a, a theory of change or some kind of logic model, but I didn't know anything like that. I was just trying to adapt to whatever happened in the world. So as an activist in Chatham, you know, if the red line shut down, I was already hosting monthly conversations at Whitney Young Library about how do you feel about this happening? Um, when there was a snowstorm, I was already shoveling snow for seniors. Um, when there was a heat wave, I was already delivering fans and, and, um, and delivering waters directly to seniors. So, um, this, you know, it's in, it's in my nature to, to volunteer and help out. You know what I mean? I, I, again, that start, I grew up eating at, the, eating at the homeless shelter for Thanksgiving. So it's always been in my, my nature to give back and help out. So, Anyway, um, what we do, our motto was taking care of people no matter what. So when it comes to community organizing, when um, when COVID-19 happened, we put a Google spreadsheet on our website. Over 3,000 seniors reached out for PPE and also for food. And so we were able to um, 
deliver over 200 packs of PPE and groceries per week to these seniors, and we still do that. Um, during this crisis right now, we just put a link on our website to say, hey, we want to help our small businesses. So I say that to say we pivot like Jordan in the finals. All we do is pivot because we're just waiting for things to happen. Like there's no um, there's no programs. We're, we're, we're trying to help as best as we can. And so if there's a meteor that hits Chicago tomorrow, you're going to see us out there sweeping a meteor rock, you know, making necklaces out of it or something like that. We're going to really like we're going to be out there and teach our students how to give back, too. So that, that's what we do, Kevin. We got to we have a. Um, a lot of what they call programs now, but they're really just like, oh, this is an idea I want to try out to see uh, um, if I can help you out with. So, you, right. So you move you move very quickly. You pivot very quickly. I love the Jordan analogy. Um, where, where, like right now in this moment, um, you know, everything that has been going on, all, all the people who are taking to the streets, um, what, like where, where is your head at now about what is needed in terms of Organizing in terms of getting people together and moving toward kind of uh, collective goals. Yeah, I want to. Um, I want to convene a group of. Uh, I feel like I meet all the activists in Chicago when I'm in D.C. at a conference, or when I'm in Detroit. I'm like, yo, we don't even meet each other in Chicago. You know what I mean? How we other like? So I would love to convene a group of uh, of, uh, of thought leaders in the city, and I don't even want to be the leader of it because I, I don't want nobody. Oh, you trying to know? I want to actually get an agenda. I want to collectively come up with some solutions together. And um and I, I want to put my own money behind it. And so and I feel like um that's what I want to do. Um so I think that's needed. We need to like I know Harold Washington when he got elected, he he was like, I ain't gonna y'all can't run me unless we got two hundred and fifty thousand voters. And they was let's show show me. And so let's can we organize some votes together? Can we organize our agendas together? So how can we um I, that's my next step is calling up all the organizers and activists that I know and as humbly as I can trying to get them into the same room together put some real money behind it not, I'm not talking about no foundation that's saying they're going to put a battery in somebody's back and like that. I'm talking about some real money behind it and how can we co- collectively think of some solutions together and that's what I, I want to do that next and and is all of this for you like are, are we going to see you in public office at some point is this where all this is going I'm praying about it I am. You know, I'd be lying to say that I didn't. I mean, I, I pray about it. Uh, my dad ran for office when I was 11, and it was very inspiring. Um, this is something that I pray about a lot. Um, you know, I, I recently asked uh, the, the president of the Obama Foundation, and I was I asked him, you know, how do you know if running for an office is more for an ego thing or if you really want to like, I, I can help people without running for office, so why do it? Well, he was like, Jamal, you're you're already above everybody because you're already asking that question about service. Is it more for ego? Like, listen, man, I feel like uh, um, I always want to start a movement. I always want to start a movement, a social movement, and that's something I'm doing with my life. I read Obama's book, and he said that as an organizer, there was so much that he could do. But when, he, when he wanted to come to school reform and when he wanted to come to, like, actually putting money into the bridges and stuff like that, he had to run for Senate because that's where he felt like he could make more of a, of a change at. Um, everybody asks me all the time, hey, when are you going to make the jump from being an organizer to being a politician? As if um, that's a jump. And I'm always like, well, when are y'all going to make a jump from being an elected official to being a community activist? You know what I mean? So, <laughs> but I, I tell you what, Kev, um, I don't think I could live with myself if I didn't run. Because I, I think that uh, it's something that scares me a little bit. You know what I mean? And I feel like it's something that I want to... Um, that I want to do. So yeah, I definitely think you'll see me run for an office. Well, that's really exciting, man. And I think that's something that a lot of people would be very excited about. And I think it would activate and motivate a lot of people to maybe be involved in electoral politics, potentially for the first time too. Wow. That's what's up, bro. Thank you for saying that, man. No, I think, yo, thank you. I think that that's real. So look, I, I, 
you are um, you you've been speaking a lot. Uh, you've been giving a lot. Like I see you at. Um, it, it, tell me if I'm wrong. I, I, I feel like, like right now, the governor is rocking with you, right? Yeah. And governor then, Prisca. yeah, Governor Pisk. And then I see you then doing your own, uh, your own like state of the union addresses as well. Um, what what is your relationship to those in office currently? Like Lori Lightfoot, you know, she, the, Mayor Lightfoot, she invites me to press conferences to speak, and so does um, Governor Prisker. You know, they've never given me no money, but they give me access to the audience. So a speech that I can do on Instagram and get 1,200 views, if they do it on their platform, I can get 300,000 views in a, in, a, in a minute. You know what I mean? And so it's like rapping. I stay with a high 16. I mean, they when they they I got 10 of them already. So you you call this is what I work on. I'm staying ready every morning by practicing these speeches in the mirror, practicing them when I'm walking. So this is my passion to be. I told you like to be like Malcolm. So when they put me on that stage, man, I I try to express more than I try to impress. And they um and they, you know what they say afterwards after I put I put you know two hours into my speeches every day for the last thirty days and when I, after I'm done speaking they say oh well, you're such a good speaker it comes so natural to you <laughs> I'm like, you know, I'm, right I'm this is work I'm I'm trying to even if a baby cries I already know how to move because I've I've got it in my mind after the third week I know how I'm moving now I'm actually I'm able to be funny in it now you know I'm, I'm I don't even have any notes because I know what I'm gonna do so it's it's something that uh. I, man, I want to really like arouse the enthusiasm of people through through speaking, and um, and I, I, I love that challenge, man. I love telling stories. I'm a storyteller, Kev. I'm a storyteller. Yeah, no, yes, sir, man, and and it's contagious. You know, I think you have that impact on people from a lot of different walks of life. You know, and I think that that is um, it might not be natural, but I think it's rare, certainly. Um, Thank you. So let me ask you a question, man. Like real real talk, how do you think the mayor? response to this moment has been how do you think the mayor's response to the protests have been uh thus far you know what i i I think that um it's a tough position because it requires that you're going to necessarily displease a lot of people and you want to hopefully attempt to bring the city together as a whole i love how she's using social media um i would have liked to see her out there in the protest with people actually i would have liked to see her out there with people because um um it wasn't all young people looting number one (laughs) no and i felt like the young people of chicago are so resilient but they got to blame for everything and i think that uh you don't want to be telling people what to do without giving them options of things to do so i think some basic organizing training of what's the difference between mobilizing and organizing what's the difference between force and violence i think there was there was an opportunity there to educate and i also um you know driving around in the big cadillac truck and and telling people to go home without giving them something to go home to i thought it was um i thought that was a missed opportunity because you got to meet people where they're at now i think that with that said with her small business relief what they're doing kind of similar exactly what we're doing is on point i like what they're doing with COVID 19 i like that she's she supports us you know um I, i think that the real question is um Ask not what Lori Life could do for you, but what can you do to support the city right now? So I'm always ch- challenging people to ask themselves, what's something simple they can do that'll have a positive impact on their block? And if we all start with simple things like shoveling a neighbor's snow or, or picking up that um, broom and dustpan and, and cleaning up some glass right now, or or um, or calling a senior to check in on them, or you know, just starting a block level. If we all do those little simple things in a the city, then we can create a, a ripple effect and a wave of change. Uh, and so that's my philosophy, man. It's like 
what's like, you know, people can say right now the city's messed up, the mayor's messed up, the government's messed up. So I think that philosophy is messed up because I think that um, I think that, uh, yeah, man, I, I grew a whole organization out of doing simple things. And now, you know, it, it is what it is. So. Well, all right. So I, I don't want to ask you about the mayor per se. I, I, I will say that we at we are, I think, the only big city who has not yet talked publicly about a desire uh, and plan to defund the police. And so I, I wonder just what, what do you what what does the future of police seem look like in Chicago or beyond? Yeah. Um, so we the mayor mentioned recently about our program we're doing with the police this summer. And um, we're doing a program where uh, we already have our youth led tours. So kids from North Lawndale give asset based tours of their neighborhood and groups of 30. I don't care if you're a law firm or you're Google, they send their employees to do asset based tours. So you can see where Dr. King marched when he lived in North Lawndale. You can see Sal's Hoagies on 16th and Kesey. This is where we get this is the best Hoagies in the city. You can see this is where my block is. This is where my school and I hoop at. It's led through the, um, the eyes of the youth that live there. Um, and you know, uh, and, and the new the new um, recruits for police officers, like they got to they got to take a nine hundred mandatory hours of year training and a hundred hours of electives. We've gotten five of those hours to go directly to my block, my hood, my city, where our youth will be leading police recruits on tours of neighborhoods. And it's a good opportunity for the police to to talk to the youth, but another opportunity for the youth. To, sorry, what we're noticing, Kev, is that a lot of police officers don't even know the history of the neighborhood before they start policing. Like, you know, the in Humble Park, you know, the whole the whole um, Puerto Rican Day Parade. I mean, that started when a, a kid got um, shot by a police officer. Puerto Rican do. So I feel like it's important to know the, the assets and the, and the, um, the community roots of a neighborhood. You can't just come to Chatham and start being um, policing if you don't know Mitchell Smith, the branch manager at the library, right? If you don't know Alderman Sawyer, if you, if you don't know the block club, I mean, you need to know these people. So we're we're doing it. That, that's, in my opinion, to build relations with community and police. This is a slither of the work we're doing that hopefully we can help. And and what what do you think about um, like you know what they've done in Minneapolis with with uh, you know this you know like nine of the eleven members of the city council calling for the dismantling of the police, other people calling for the abolishment of the police. Um, do you think that that's a tenable solution or? No, no, I don't because I've been to countries that don't have police and fire departments, right? So I, I think that uh, I've been to places that don't like poverty in Chicago is like upper class in other places. You know what I mean? So I think that. Uh, um, you know, I don't think that's going to I'm going to agree with everybody on that. I do like the defund police, though, because I understand what they're saying. There are reason why there is so much violence is because there's divestic schools, uh, uh, under-resourced communities, uh, high incarceration rate, high unemployment rate. That's the F store, perfect storm for violence. So I, I understand what defunding the police don't mean taking all the money away. It means give some of that money to, to you know, to people that could um, like just be preventative, not so reaction. Yeah. Like, re- so I get that, but no, I, I don't think that um, I, that's not that's not something that I, I I've done a lot of research on. I think that um, there are activists in the city that are skilled on talking about that though, and I'm learning from them right now. So I'm I'm happy to have a conversation and 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 I'll, I'll show up humble and listen as best as I can. Word. All right, man. So look, I want to talk a little more about you. I mean, you you, you know you you grew up wanting to be a rapper. Who who were some of the MCs that you listened to that made that put you on to wanting to even rock? Yeah, Nas, number one, you know, and Big L, um, you know, um, I think those two are my favorite, like Nas and Big L. I think that, um, um, you know, of course I heard Dear Mama by Tupac. Uh, you know, I, that was the first song I ever memorized. But I, I would say uh, um, 
common sense. I mean, common common is really like, I mean, I just wrote a book called It's Not Regular about bulletproof glass. And that was because Common was said in a song one time, like, in front of three-inch glass of air wraps, I order fries, inspiration when I write, I see my daughter's eyes on the truth. Like, like, talking about being on the red line, the jail with the real world. I started selling my books on the red line because I heard Common say these things in, in, in songs. So I would say uh, um, Nas, Common, Big L, those are, um, you know, those are some of my favorite. Um, nowadays, you know, I, I just got to meet Benny the Butcher, and I got to meet West Side Young recently. And, um, you know, I went to one of their concerts, and um, it was a... Um, it was a guy in the streets in Inglewood. He, he's like, yo, Jamal, my blah, blah, my city, what are you doing in this concert? And, you know, uh, I was like, yo, these are my favorite rappers. He was like, you like my man Benny? You know, we was in jail together. I was like, yeah, he's cool. I, I like his music. He's like, you want to meet him? And I was like, okay. And then he took me, like, two blocks away to, like, this trap house-looking thing. Bro, I was so scared. I walked in. It was 100 goons, bro. <laughs> it was 100 goons. I swear to God, it was 100 goons. And I was like, I was telling myself, well, if they shoot you, you got yourself into this, Jamal. You got yourself into this. Bro, when I walked in, everybody was just like, I walked in, they was like putting weed nuggets in my hand. Like, I was just like, I mean, everybody was like, here, here you go, here you go. And um, anyway, long story long, man, in the middle of this big living room, it was like 50 goons, and in the middle was West Side Gun with a big long chain on, and Benny the Butcher was smoking next to him, looking me up and down, and they waved me over like the Godfather. And uh, when I came and talked to him, uh, the exact words was like, yo, we love what you're doing with the kids in Chicago. If there's any way we can come back and speak, please set it up. We'll be, bro. I was, I was just like, what? I was like, this is crazy, bro. But yeah, those like, I, I love hip hop because um, I didn't have no counselor growing up. You know, I had to tell like, when my, I told you my dad did drugs. So for me, I was a rapper that was just like, yo, my mom say my dad doing dope. I ain't believe it. My sister say my dad smoking coke. I ain't believe it. My friends say my dad smoking crack. I say, how'd you know? He said, yesterday I sold on some blow. So my mom say my pops doing dope. I ain't believe it. This is say my pops smoking coke. I ain't believe it. So for me, everybody knew me from telling stories. And it was like, uh, it was, I needed that. You know, I needed to, I felt important. I felt like I had a stage. I felt like this is my contribution. And so, um, yeah, man, it was, it was every, man, it was, hip hop was everything to me, bro. It was everything to me. So, all right. So, so you mentioned Griselda, and I, I love Griselda too. Um, you know, I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm. I don't know how much older. I'm older than you by a, a number of years. Uh, I'm wondering how you continue to build a bridge in hip hop with some of the young folks that look up to you that you are organizing with. Uh, what are some of your strategies? Because you know, some folks uh, who are older heads in the game, you know, they they kind of shit on what is being made now. Yeah, bro. I, I, so I work with a lot of youth, and I let them turn the radio on when I drop them off at night. And they put they put the YouTube in a van, and they play Polo G. So little mama made it. So I love I love Polo G. You know, I love um, Lil Dirt. You know, come on, man. I can tell you all of his albums. Like, uh, I love um, I love what they love. They it's different. It's changed. But man, I, I I love the way the game is going. I like Key Herbo. I love his freestyles on, on Funk Flex. Um, I love that they're starting to be more politically mature and trying to be conscious, at least. Um, but at the same time, man, I, I think that I think that uh, Chicago is. I think Chicago is is. Uh, um, the, I mean, a lot of trendsetters. I mean, Lil reset a lot of trends with his rhythmic stuff. You know, I think we we set a lot of trends in the city. So, I, uh, to answer your question, man, I just let the kids hold the radio when we drop them off at night, and they put me on who to listen to. Yeah, man, that's what's up. All right, man. So look, so before before I let you go, I, I got a few more questions for you, but okay. but because I, you know I, I feel like you are 
in in that mode where you're starting to think about what a campaign, a larger campaign could look like? What what is a vision for you for the future of this city? Like what what does it look like? Um, what do you want it to look like? Well, right now, you know, our explorers program, I mean the future is the kids. I feel like in our they need exposure. I feel like that's that's key. Um, we have ten schools 150 kids, but there's 36 schools on a waiting list that want our after-school program. I would like to expand with integrity, but I still think it's, it's, it's unacceptable for any kid to say they've never been downtown by 2025. Let's stop that. That's that's, that's ridiculous. Um, a lot of these businesses that want to get involved right now, they you can protest by sponsoring a school. Our kids need access to your hotel and take trips there once per month to learn about experience marketing in your hotel or whatever. Um, colon- Sorry, my phone. My phone's getting blown up. My bad. My phone's getting blown up. So, so it's all good. But exposure is key for these youth. So I think starting there, let's expose kids to things. Also, I think, again, working with block clubs. There's a lot of block clubs that need um, computers to stay connected. The more connected we are, the safer we are, the healthier we are, and the happier we are. But right now, there's if there's 16 houses on one side of the street and 19 houses on the other side of the street, you know, there should be at least a Facebook group there. You know, this Facebook could be the new phone tree. So I want to talk to block club captains about how to leverage technology so that's where i'm that's where i'm starting with is block clubs and education so those are the things that i'm focused on that's what's up man well this this is going to come out on tuesday so as you are running around and you know you know just doing so many things what are ways that people could throw in and help uh you with what you're doing yeah man um we need people to um, we need people to basically support. I mean, we got a small business relief fund that we're raising money for small businesses. If you if you have money to give, you, you can be a giver. If you are in between, have a little bit of money but not a lot, you can be you can make some phone calls. You can be a, a doer. But if you if you're not really saving a lot, come come out and volunteer with us. Um, there there's you can buy a book on our website called you know exposure is key or it's not regular. Buy some gear. But most importantly, man, I want people to. Ask themselves, what's something simple I can do that I have a positive impact on my block? And I want you to hashtag, you know, simple things or some, something simple. And I want to see it. What's something simple you can do? Because if you start simple, I want to help you out with it. So that's what, ask yourself that. I think that's the most important thing anybody can do. Because if you start simple, um, you can develop the muscle it takes to take on bigger challenges. And I really feel that way. Yo, that's what's up, man. Uh, and where is the best place where people could be in tune with my block, my hood, my city and you? Yep, our, my website is formyblock.org. That's F O R myblock.org. Uh, everything online is my block, my hood, my city. As far as social media, you'll see me out there. I make posts a couple times a day. So formyblock.org and then my block, my hood, my city for our, our social media handles. That's what up. Well, um, that's what's up, Jamal Cole. Thank you so much, man. It is always a pleasure, and uh, you know it's it's been inspiring to see you um, before this time, and certainly to see you uh, during this time. So thanks so much for spending some time in the corner store today. Appreciate you, Kev. You be easy, man. Peace. Peace. Shout out our super producer, DJ Cashera. Big up boss man, Todd Manley. Thank you to our official corner store photog, Mercedes Zapata. Salutes to the snack door, Max. Also, please, y'all, follow our Instagram. It's corner underscore pod on IG, on Twitter. Tell us who you want to see in the corner store. And also, please consider dropping a couple of dollars into our Patreon account. It's patreon.com corner store underscore pod. The corner store is brought to you by Stolen Spirits.